It's me and the planner. <laughs> I love to plan. Plans are so much fun. Calendaring, all of that. I always have a plan. I've always got an idea of how I think things should go, but that doesn't mean that things always go the way that I plan them to. When I was 19 years old, I felt called into full-time ministry for the first time, and I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like, but I assumed that I would live in a hut in Africa, you know, do some kind of nursing there. So I thought, oh, I better, I better get into the hospital. And, you know, I volunteered for a while at the hospital to figure out if I could maybe go into getting some kind of a medical degree. I didn't have any interest. I just thought it makes sense. It's a good plan according to being called into full-time ministry, if I'm going to live in a hut in Africa. And I laugh about that now because I've never even been to Africa, and God's plan for me was not at all for me to live in a hut. I have actually been involved in local church ministry for for all of that time, from 19 through now. I mean, before that I was too, but after receiving a call to ministry, I've been a children's ministry director, a nursery coordinator, a Bible study leader, a worship leader, a women's ministry leader, a mentoring and discipling of others leader. Um, I've been on the church staff as an outreach leader, and we've hosted small groups in our home. And now I get to speak and teach on the weekends, which I absolutely love. And during the week, I get to be here on the radio talking about Jesus. None of this requires being in Africa or living in a hut or having a nursing degree or any of that. So it's quite funny when you think about it. I get tired just listening to all the things you've been doing. Well, I've lived a lot of life. There's been a lot of time to do all those things. You've had time to breathe in between. Absolutely. But has following Jesus looked like what you thought it was going to? Hmm. Not at all. Not at all. I Well, you know, I had certain things in mind, certain dreams in mind, but I just know that when when Jesus came and smashed into me, knocked down the door, kicked down the door and embraced me. I just thought, I'm in. I, I'm signing on and, you know, I'm all in. I've been all in since. I'm not all put together. But I just figure if somebody gave me their life, I'll give my life back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've I've not done it perfectly by any means. And I've God's still changing the selfishness and the the pride that's in my heart. But, you know, when I, when I do go through hard times, I just say to myself, I signed on for this. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I signed on for this, you know, this discipline that's happening in my life right now from you. I accept it. I signed on for it. I'm in. So it sounds to me like you, it wasn't so much like you were like, okay, here's the plan. This is what this is going to look like, but more a matter of, I'm just going to walk it out. With Jesus and see what happens. I, you know, developed some dreams pretty early about, you know, being in radio and and being involved in missions and and music and and those kinds of things. So that did come a, a little bit later, but initially it was just like, okay, yeah, Jesus loves me. One Here foot I go in front of the other. There you go, one foot in front of the other. Well, there was a gal in the Bible who had a plan. And so, you know, I can kind of resonate with having a plan or having an idea of how things should go. And she was planning to get married and she was betrothed to be married to a godly man. And her whole life was in front of her. She probably thought, you know, that they would have a good reputation in the community, that they would raise a bunch of kids and have a very normal, quiet, pleasant life. She had a plan. It was a good plan. 
And then on this very ordinary day, someone dropped by unexpectedly. It went something like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David, and his name was Joseph, the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy, Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son old as she is? Everyone called her barren. And here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing, you see, is impossible with God. Come on. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. Talk about messing up her plan, her life plan, messing up her planner. Yeah. You know, Luke wrote this, and Luke was not an eyewitness. But Luke says at the beginning of his gospel, he says, I carefully investigated this story. Many have, he says, many have taken on the task of of sharing this Jesus story. I decided to do it myself, and so I carefully investigated. And so he would have interviewed Mary about this and got it from her. And C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis was, I believe, an expert in ancient literature. And so he was familiar with all kinds of literature from, you know, the, the ancient history of the world, and he had read a ton of it. And he said, when I came to the New Testament... This was unlike anything in ancient history. This was, in my mind, narrative. This is a telling of a true story. Yeah. It's, well, it's different from anything else from its time. When you're saying what happened to you and you're sharing an experience, you know, you would say, well, then I said, and then she said, and then I was like, and then he goes, you know what I mean? That's how you tell a story that you experienced. Yes. Rather than a, a telling of a story, third person. Yeah, and there are unnecessary, quote-unquote, unnecessary details sure. that are in there just because you're telling a story. And so, you know, this, is, this just rings true is what I'm saying. It rings true, and that's what's so amazing, that an angel came to a, a young woman and said, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. I think where we stumble is we just dismiss that miracles are possible. Mm. That's We have a pre-bias. We have a bias against miracles, and so oh, this can't be a true story. Yeah, and it is. It is a true story, a story of a young woman with her whole life in front of her who had a plan but willingly gave up her plans for God's plan in her life. And maybe that resonates with you too. You know, like me, you like to plan and you've got a dream about the future and what it's going to look like. 
Is it possible that God's plans are way better than ours? I think it is. But what would it look like for God's perfect plan to become our reality? We have to, I have to open my hands. I, I so much want to hold on to, to, you know, what God has given me. And he asked me to open my hands. You know, God gave Isaac, God gave Abraham Isaac. Isaac was the promised son. And God asked Abraham to give up, to let go of Isaac, you know, and he took Isaac up the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice. God was testing him. He wasn't going to let Abraham put Isaac to death. But Abraham reasoned, you know what, if, if the son of promise is supposed to die, God's asking me to do this. I surrender. I let go. And I believe that God can raise him up from the dead. That was how strong Abraham's faith was, that he was just willing to, you know, just open his hands. And and I just feel like God is challenging me right now in my life to do that. And I don't I don't even know what that looks like yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's really a trust issue. You know what I mean? Do you trust me that my plans for you yep. are it's better yep. than your plans? And logically, I know that that it's true, but yeah. there's just that that scariness of of letting go. I yep. I just have got to believe that right now, you know, as you're listening, where you sit, you're thinking about something really specific right now, like that a, a plan and how you think it should go down. And God is inviting you right now to open up your hands mm. and to release it to Him, to. Consider the possibility that God's plans really are better than your plans. And it all starts with surrender. It all starts with saying, just like Mary did, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Seems a long time ago in the news cycle, at least, that we withdrew our troops from Afghanistan. And since the Taliban took control, but it was just the end of August Now, in the 1990s, this is, I think you'll find this really, I don't know, inspiring. In the 1990s, when the Taliban took control of Afghanistan, there were very few Muslim background believers in Jesus. Now, over the course of those years, there are believers in Jesus from Muslim background in nearly every ethnic group in Afghanistan. That is the good news. And we must not forget our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We need to pray for them. Should we pray that they are able to escape Afghanistan? Some believe that. Or should we pray something else? Here's Bob Linko of Frontiers USA. Some believers are called to leave Afghanistan, and we give thanks to God. But some evidently are called to stay to an ending. And for them, we want to give them so far as we can from this far away in our safety a theology of suffering and martyrdom that would carry them through. Psalm 63, verse 3, thy loving kindness is better than life. And the great text from from Romans chapter 8, we are like sheep being led to the slaughter all day long, and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Some will prove that death cannot separate them from the love of Christ. It is a sacred moment to imagine a blindfolded believer being taken from his house and brought to a courtyard and forced to kneel on the ground. And we can only hope that he might have the last word. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. 
No murderer has eternal life. Forgive them, Father. And we can believe that there will be some like the centurion at the cross who will recoil at what evil has just been done and will bring about a testimony, what they have just seen from the divine God of love. All of us have admired the martyrs from afar. All of us have done what we can to rescue people from Afghanistan. But God has seen fit to bring some to faith who would prepare for the future day of the church in Afghanistan because unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. These great texts, which we think about in theory this far away, now must become precious to the people believing God in Afghanistan. There is a greater salvation than this world can provide. There is a homecoming for the believers. And there is a greater damnation and judgment upon the Afghans who are not believers yet. So let's not expend all of our energy and efforts on the Christians to get them out. Let's pray and believe that there will be another day for the word of God to go forth in Afghanistan, not only in words, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. We remember the great hymn of Luther, though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And if you can think of any truth greater than this, to give to brothers and sisters in Afghanistan or the parts of the world where they are proving today that neither sword nor peril can separate them from the love of God, you'll have to tell me because I can't. Oh, man, I love my my friend Bob Blinko. His heart just bleeds and beats Jesus' heart for the world. And it's easy to forget because the the news cycle has moved on. But we have brothers and sisters in Afghanistan from Muslim background, and many of them have decided to stay. We're going to stay. We're going to be the the ground floor of the new movement of God in Afghanistan, and, and many will give up their lives, will give the full measure of devotion. Greg Kelly, who is the CEO of World Mission, um, we had the opportunity to emcee their celebration dinner at the beginning of November. And he shared with us a story about um, a, a pastor there who, you know, he sent his, he got his daughter out because it's just so much harder for, for women yep. under the Taliban rule, right? So, you know, no opportunity for education, possibly forced marriage. And so he got his daughter out, but he was making a video for her. Hmm. Um, and as he was making, he chose to stay because he wanted to share the good news with, with his people. And as he was sharing this video, you could hear on the video the Taliban knocking on the door and pounding on the door mm. and coming for him. And it's just, that is the reality. But some, you know, all of us are called to be obedient to what God is asking us to do. Yeah. And for some, he's asking them to stay. And yeah, we absolutely need to be praying for their safety and for the success of their mission, of yeah. the reason that they've stayed. I think we should pray. Father, we lift up those today who have chosen to stay under horrific circumstances and we pray that you would give them power by your spirit and boldness by your spirit the courage of your holy spirit god to share the goodness of who you are uh, even with those who are persecuting them 
Lord, we pray that you would give them opportunities to speak and to share the good news of Jesus, that you would there would be all kinds of divine encounters and divine meetings mm. where they have the opportunity to pass on who you are um, to those that they love, to their own countrymen, Father. And we do pray for the hearts of those that they are under persecution from God, that they would come to see you and know you for who you are and that their hearts would be changed. Um, and that like the prodigal son, that you would welcome them with open arms and that we would too. Help us to know today our role um, in, in this specific mission in Afghanistan. Activate us today and we will obey you in Jesus' name. So good to start off the day with you. And I think Shauna has a question for you. <laughs> Don't you wish every day could be Thanksgiving Day? I didn't even get a chance to connect with you about your Thanksgiving Day. Mm -hmm. How was it? Oh, it was Thanksgiving, wasn't it? Yeah, last week. Yeah, it was. It was very nice watching the Lions lose again. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but we were at my sister's and she made ham instead of turkey. Oh. And it was it was extremely good and the... I left a lot of room for dessert. Uh -huh. We had pumpkin pie. We had like, I think it was raspberry pie. And oh, then there yeah. was like a, a pumpkin bread with some cream in it. And a, I, a pumpkin roll? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that is the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good it. stuff. Lexi made that. That's my nephew's wife. Gotcha. Yeah, I always leave plenty of room for dessert too. But last week when we had Thanksgiving, we had it at our house and we had about 21 people. They're in our home, and everybody brings different food dishes to share, and there's always plenty of food for everyone. Actually, we could probably eat twice. There is that much food, literally. We eat our big meal at 1 o'clock, and then, you know, just let the food settle and all chat and visit and sing. There's always music at our family things. Mm -hmm. And then about 4 o'clock, we pull out all the food again, and we eat all over again. Okay, so is there this lull between the, the meal and the dessert? Um, usually there is, I have a niece who's pregnant and the minute she was done eating, she was like, and now we're having pie. So she kind of dove right in. And so we dove right into the pie. There was okay. no lull this year, okay. but usually there is. I don't like the lull. Oh I just, yeah. I like going right into dessert. Just N boom. Not me. I need the lull. Yeah. Yeah. And when everybody goes back, so we eat at one and then we go back and eat again at four ish, you know, <laughs> and when we go back the that. second, you don't get it because uh -uh. there's so much food. Save it for tomorrow. Right. But what I do is when everybody goes back and gets their second plate of food, that's when I have my first dessert. Mm. And then when everybody has dessert, then I have my second dessert. That's my Thanksgiving plan. Now you're general. sounding like the hobbits. First breakfast, second breakfast. There you go. There you go. But it's just this day of plenty for sure. And maybe that's why Thanksgiving is such a fun meal. You know, we know there's always going to be plenty. We don't mm. have to worry about making sure that we get enough because there's just so much in abundance. I think it'd be pretty cool if we could just live that way all the time. You know what I mean? Just enjoying what's in front of you without worrying if you're going to have enough or if you're going to get enough or if you're going to be enough. It's so stressful worrying if you're going to have enough all the time. It's exhausting. And not only do we worry about what we have or what we don't have, but we also kind of get tangled up in everybody else's business wondering what they have and comparing, you know, is there going to be enough Cranberry relish for me because it seems like, you know, Aunt So-and-So took an awfully large helping of such and such. But we do this across the board. Like, you know, is their, is their house better than mine? Is their car newer than mine? 
Is their social media account following bigger than mine? Is their life happier than mine? You take me back to when we were kids and we had four boys who were really hungry and ate a lot. Mm-hmm. And my, my brother, Danny, he'd say, don't eat all of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make sure there's enough for me. That happens yeah. at our house every single time bacon is made. I've mm. just decided to stop making bacon. It brings out the sin in everyone. Yeah. <laughs> leave yeah. it leave it out of our family's gatherings. But anyway, when we're worried about running out, I think it causes us to it causes us to hold on tightly to what we do have, right? I mean, it keeps us from being generous with others when we're worried that we're not going to have enough. But the word of God says, "Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously." Hmm. And I love this word picture of reaping and sowing that Paul uses in this verse. And there are two things that just immediately come to mind from this image of reaping and sowing. One is if I take a look at my life, what I'm reaping will actually reveal what I've sown in the past. And this is a little bit hard to swallow, but it's true. If you have good friends, it's because you've invested in friendship. And if we take an honest look at what we're reaping, we can see the fruit of what we actually planted. And the second thing is we can sow now what we want to reap in the future. This is the hopeful part, the exciting Mm -hmm. part, right? If we don't have good friendships, we can start developing them today. You know what I mean? Just reach out to someone and invite them over for coffee. Get to know them a little bit better. We can actually start to scatter seeds of what we want to harvest in our future by the choices that we make today. I love that. Our Heavenly Father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He cares for the sparrows and the lilies, and he is definitely going to care for you and me. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, he is providing for us. Makes me think of you can't outgive God. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't. He's our dad, and he owns everything. So we can be generous with what we have, knowing God's not going to run out. (laughs) He's not going to run out on us. So in a nutshell... I think we should live every day like it's Thanksgiving. And today included. You're listening to me, which means you're alive and breathing and you're inside a great story. You were always meant to be swept up in this story. So it is about you, but it's a story that's so much bigger than you and me. It's a story that began in the dance of love between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit pouring oceans of love into each other from eternity, overflowing with so much joy that it had to be shared. And so the dance of the Father, Son, and Spirit created us to share in their love, knowing that we would reject him. But a brave prince left his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the ones he loves. And now that you've been rescued by the king, You get to be one of the king's rescuers. That's it right there. That is such good news. He doesn't just forgive us and save us, but he he says, you're my partner in the mission to repair the world. Yeah, he recruits us. We Mm. become a part of, of telling the story. It's beautiful. Where is this story headed? Well, it's headed toward the beginning of the real story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and in which every chapter is better than the one before. I love that from C.S. Lewis. That's why I always use it. Of course, we're not there yet. All the sad things have not become untrue yet. But now we see the story, and now we know who we are 
Abba's beloved children. And now we know why we're here, to share his love. And that's where Perspectives comes into the story. Now, Perspectives is a class all about bringing the dance of love to the neighbors and to the nations. And it's about finding your unique place in partnering with the King of Love to repair the world. This is a life-shattering class yeah. in the best sense of the phrase. Yeah, and I've experienced this up close and personal because uh, my my daughter, who is lives uh, in the Czech Republic, was taking a perspectives class and uh, convinced her little sister to come along with her because for the first class, <laughs> you can show up for free. and mm-hmm. They were getting college mm-hmm. credits for mm-hmm. it, you know, so it was something they had to pay for. But she said, I'll, I'll feed you dinner if you come with me to the first class. So... Eden had gone along with her to the first class, and there Pastor Wayne was speaking about Africa and ministry work that's happening there through this missionary Annalie and ministry through movement. And God spoke to my daughter in that class and and basically said, have you forgotten? Because he laid Africa on her heart as, uh, oh my goodness, she was like 12 years old when she first came to us and told my husband and I, I'm going to Africa. Mm. (laughs) We're like, Okay, not today, you know, not at 12 years old. But she knew that God had called her to Africa to serve there. So anyway, it was in a perspectives class that God spoke and reminded her of what she was called to. And she went up to Pastor Wayne when the class was over and just pointed to the map. And she said, I'm supposed to go there. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, let's make it happen. If that's where you're supposed to be, I want to be a part of making it happen. He connected her with Annalie, and then she ended up spending three and a half, four months in South Africa working under Annalie and learning from her in the ministry there. And she wasn't even supposed to be at the class. Supposed to, quote, unquote, right? Right. Yeah, but that's what Perspectives did for her. She ended up, you know, spending several months in another country serving there, and it all happened at Perspectives. Perspectives is not safe. Let me just say (laughs) that. It will, well, I'll tell you what it'll do. But first of all, Perspectives kicks off Thursday, January 13th at Calvary Church in Grand Rapids. Every Thursday through May 19th, your eyes will be open to how King Jesus is working among the nations and how you can join him, whether it's praying, sending, welcoming, mobilizing, or like Eden, even going. Mm -hmm. If you are ready to be ruined for the ordinary... This is what perspectives will do for you. And, you know, why not? Why shouldn't we live on the razor edge of faith, you know? You know, and for me, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be just really honest with you. It's not so much about missions. <laughs> I'm just saying, and as much as it is about, I just want to be exactly where God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not about having a, um, yes, a mission, being on mission with God is God's plan for me, but it's wanting to be exactly where he wants me to be. That causes me to, you know, to want to be wrecked in the best possible way. Like you said, perspectives will wreck you right for the ordinary, because you'll see that God has this beautiful and perfect plan for you. That's bigger than the lives that we're living. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not just a missions class. It's a discipleship class yeah. because it, it shows the story of the Bible and and our place in the story. And so 
it's so much bigger than, oh, let's just put it here in the corner. It's a little missions class. Right. But it's it's why we're here. Mm-hmm. And so I just I just challenge you to take the leap of faith and to take perspectives. It starts January 13th. The first class is free. You can dive in at perspectives.org slash Grand Rapids. That's perspectives.org slash Grand Rapids. Come on. You can do this through Christ who gives you the strength.